Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together. We're putting it together this week for the 251st time. My name is Brian O'Sullivan, and welcome to the Creative Conversations podcast. Today, I am going to have a creative conversation with you. Um, more and more often, I'm finding the the need, but also the convenience of um, having these episodes just be me talking into the mic is is outweighing other stuff. No, not outweighing. You know what I mean. Um, increasingly, I find that I'm, I'm happy enough to sit here in front of the mic and talk to you. And also, I've got stuff that I want to sort through in my head creatively, and it, I find it useful. Um, and it also means that I'm not clamouring to find um, a new guest every single week because that's it can be really taxing. Um, it's a caravan podcast today, so you might hear some unusual noises. But there's rain. Of course, the rain's just started as I started recording, and this caravan park's not actually that far away from a road, so um, occasionally cars going by, although you get that from my usual podcast occasionally because I live on a street, uh, as many do. So, um, yes, if the, if the sound is, is a little different, then please forgive it. And I thought maybe we could just talk about a few things. Um, I mean, one of the things right away is that um, I'm in Edinburgh now and doing my musical Oscar at the Traverse Theatre. And um, what do I want to talk about? Well, the one, the, the first thing that's on my mind is that we got a very favourable review today. And um, it was lovely. And it's far and away the best review I've ever had, personally, as an actor. Um... And I don't have a policy about reviews, about reading them or not reading them. It, it popped up on my Twitter timeline and I just read it. Um, people were retweeting it saying it was great. So I looked at it and um, it's just, I've been thinking about it a lot because it's. I read it about less than an hour before we went on stage today. And um, I did feel that it gave me a little boost. And I'm admitting that to you and it gave me... I feel like that today might be the best I've done the show, um, and you know, as as you know yourself, if you're if you're an actor um, or performer in, in whatever context, um, I think that the subtle differences between a good show for for one and a bad show probably are mostly imperceptible to an audience, um, as long as you're doing you know what what you rehearsed and you know the, covering the basics. Um, what you feel might be a bad show for you could be heavily complimented by audience members um, and when compared to what you think is a good show for you it might be seen as just the same by, by someone looking from the outside. So so who knows, I mean it probably didn't look much different if someone were to compare what I did today to what I did yesterday and I don't, I don't mean by any stretch that I felt like I really knocked it out of the park unlike ever before, it was more just like hit the beats that I wanted to hit and I, and I, I felt through the story arc and, um, you know, as I often talk about, a sort of gestalt, a kind of a, I went through that process um, fully present and came out the other end of it feeling a sense of completion. Um, so, so I have to acknowledge that and admit that maybe in some sense the review or or my experience of having read the review more like um has some um connection to that so interesting i know people have policies about reviews and um 
you know, it's, as they say, it's the oldest saying, isn't it? But if you believe the good ones, you have to believe the bad ones. And what I've often noticed about when people get bad reviews and they read them is they don't say that they're just disappointed with the review. They usually, in my experience, find a reason that the review isn't valid. Um, they say, well, it's not even a real review because the person doesn't even X, Y, Z. or it's just, a, it's just a breakdown of the show and then they just slag me off. And I mean that not as an attack on anyone, but just to notice that we as humans, um, when we're presented with something that shows us up in an unfavourable light maybe um, a defence mechanism can be to try to discredit it say well they don't know what they're talking about anyway um, you know I would I would I wouldn't mind but it's just the way that it's written or you know this is the thing um, often people in arguments say I don't mind you know say what you like about me but if it's the way she said it or she said it behind my back at least say it to me, and of course, if, if if she said it to me, how dare she say it? it's just it's just a human trait, I think, isn't it? We look for a way to take weight or value out of the thing that hurts us. Uh, I'll try not to yawn, not because I'm not because I'm bored or particularly tired. I think I slept for about ten hours last night, if not a bit more. I've just made myself a wee coffee. Let me just have a wee wee sip of it, okay? And I'm trying not to yawn. But you know what you know what it is. It's just a it's just this weird psychological yawn thing where I go, don't yawn. Um, anyway, I won't cut as many of them out as usual. One time I didn't cut them out. I was doing I, I did this other podcast called Ask Janice. It's a um, what do you call it? Sort of agony ant show that I did in character as Janice for a little bit, and uh, I forgot to edit the yawns, and there were so many, uh, and someone pointed it out. It it went up and. You know, half an hour later, one of my friends was like, um, do you know that <laughs> you keep yawning in the middle of that podcast? And I went, oh no. I didn't go back and edit them. Um, I would always mark them on the timeline and go back and take them out. One day I hope to just not do it, but at the moment, it's a thing. Um, hopefully you don't see the joins. Cuts? What cuts? Um, so aye, so there's the review thing. Um, if you believe the good ones, you have to believe the bad ones, and... and I'm just like everybody else. If I've ever had what you would term as a bad review, I'll, I'll discredit it rather than say, "Oh yeah, either fair point or I totally disagree with that." I'll say, "Yeah, but I mean, the writing wasn't even that good, or it's not. It came out too late anyway, or you know, I do that as much as anybody else." So, um, haven't had any bad ones that I'm aware of for this particular production, so I don't have to believe them. Um, to balance out the fact that I momentarily believed the good one that I've just got. Um, and I'm not talking about it because I want to tell you, you know, I'm not going to like start quoting this little review or something. It's it's not about that. But I do admit, and I think it's healthy for me to admit that um, it did have an impact on me, you know, in, internally. And, um, you know, like I say, I'm not bringing it up so that I can share that the the review itself but so that i can talk about what that does to us because we're in a game aren't we of um where ego and self-esteem are, are just built-in parts of this thing that we're doing sometimes we're trying to avoid them sometimes we're trying to um build one up in spite of the other like trying to build up our self-esteem um at the expense of our ego or whatever um but these are things that are, for me, inextricably linked to this job. They're in there. We can't 
deny them. And every human being has an ego. So so a pretense that we don't isn't isn't healthy either. And the other thing I've learned, you know, in, over the last however long, is that I can be prey to my ego even when I'm feeling bad about myself. Because my internal dialogue says, or monologue says, oh, I'm the worst. Look at me. That's it, right? That's the ego. Look at me. I'm the worst. And it's just as, as damaged as look at me, I'm the best. It's still ego. That's that's one another thing I've learned. So it is part of our business um, as actors, as performers, as writers, as artists, let's say. So to have this element of, of our business where other people come to see the show and then write about it and publish that writing for people to read, um, you know, and critique it and, and say it's good, bad and different... Um, that does make it even more tricky to try to regulate your own ego and keep your own self-esteem at a healthy level whilst doing your job. Um, and I suppose it's playing with fire, reading reviews, isn't it? It doesn't make any difference. Like, it doesn't make a difference. In fact, it doesn't make a difference to any of it this week because the tickets are sold and we're going to do the show, what, three more times now and then that's it anyway. So... I mean, it really it has no impact on how this week goes. Um, so reading it was just... As I say, it just came up and I read it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what the conclusion to that is. I just wanted to talk to you about it. Um, I, think it's, I think it's probably easier for people who've had some reviews, both good and bad, to say, I don't read reviews... But, I mean, what I read today was really the first time anyone has ever, well, not the first time, but one of the first times anyone, certainly the first time anyone has ever spoken that favourably about what I have done, right, in a, in a publication. So, maybe in a couple of years down the line, you've had a couple of them and a couple of less than favourable ones, maybe then the policy of, I don't read reviews, comes into play, Um I don't know. It's sort of. It feels like it's linked to um, free to those who can afford it, very expensive to those who can't. I think it's easy, or easier perhaps, if you've a stack of good and bad reviews to your name because you've done such a stack of work. It's probably easier for you to say, "I don't read reviews," and dismiss the whole thing. Whereas for those of us who haven't had, you know, a, a lot of leading roles or any of that type of thing. Um, each one can can be a little marker in the sand, and it can be interesting to to see how how that's progressing. If if it is a mark of progress, perhaps it's not. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's just interesting always to watch the ego at play, um, especially in this field. You know, where it's so much a part of what we do, like it or not. Um, now the rain's fair coming down now. I don't know if you can hear it. I wonder if you can hear it. Another wee sip of this. Aye, so... I was over for dinner at Steve McNichol's house the other night. A great actor and friend. And um, he's got one of these sort of egg-shaped chairs. You know, those sort of very typically 60s-looking uh, chairs that you sort of... When you sit on it, you're inside it. And when you're inside, it's padded on the inside. A sort of a carpeted finish so it's it's like being in a, a vocal booth <laughs> and I was just saying 
to his partner Fran, I was saying, if you're going to do voiceovers, you only need to just drape a duvet over the front of this chair. And you've got a little booth, tiny little vocal booth ready to go. Um, why am I telling you that? Because uh, you may be able to hear other sounds uh, because I'm in the caravan. So how are you? I hope you're well. Um, as always, I hope you're creatively um, juiced and busy and uh, productive. Um, not just for the sake of it, but uh, productive in in positive way, a way that's useful to you. Um, I hope you're seeing stuff and engaging with stuff, other work that isn't your own, um, because that's one of the things that that can slip for me when I'm really busy. Is is what a chance to see other people's stuff, and that's where it's that's where the magic is. I need to listen to other podcasts and read other books, and you know see other plays as often as I can. Um, to keep myself right, you know, artistically right. Um, so I, I hope you're doing that. And um, it's not a nice week in the news. It's not a nice time um, in the news cycle at the moment. I mean, it's that's that's an understatement. So huge. I don't feel um, that I'm really equipped to comment. And what's going on, other than to say that the displacement and injuring and killing of, of innocent civilian people is always, always um, tragic, horrifying. And if it does one thing for us people who aren't directly involved or impacted by it, it should at the very least evoke compassion and also gratitude for just what we do have. Um, because it's un- it's unthinkable what's happened um, in in Ukraine in the last few days to just normal people who were just living their life, um, and it actually links back to what I was saying about ego. It's it's all that stuff for me is is just my personal take is is about ego, you know, power um, and corruption and stuff that all comes out of people's need to be. To big themselves up, to build themselves up, because they don't feel that they're enough, um, and it seems it's it's big and it's institutional and it's true in multinational corporations and, um, I mean, for example, now I watched uh, the series Dope Sick recently with uh, Michael Keaton and various other amazing actors, some brilliant performances in that series, and really the the Purdue Pharma thing, you know, building up OxyContin and trying to sell it to everyone. Seems to me, and certainly the way they portrayed it in the in the series, was that it was about um, ego, really, be, trying to be the biggest, the best, the most powerful, and and people building up massive stacks of cash. Like how much how much money can you spend? How many cars can you drive at once? One, one. How many houses can you live in? One, um, and and piling up money is is one other way of just building up your ego or your sense of self if you don't feel you're already enough and we're all prey to it uh, in western society because we are sold the idea that if we just have a little bit more um or have a bit more than somebody next to us a bit more than our neighbor or a newer car or newer this that and the next thing that we'll feel better and also you know one of the things about people getting a bit of money is that they, they then start to um get get themselves the things that that those um salaries and so on afford them so uh if you jump from a 
30 grand a year to a 40 grand a year salary or whatever um, then you probably get a car that reflects that but guess what the payments for that car are higher than the old car probably by a roughly the same ratio as your your wages gone up you get a bigger house well your mortgage is bigger let's say it's by the same ratio it's probably by more uh, than what your salary's gone up so I just I, I don't know if I've said I might have said this very recently but it's just something that's always on my mind you know People don't then have endless supplies of money. What they do is they they spend it. It gets sucked up by all the things that they need in order to display the wealth. And my understanding from what I've heard is that most people, you know, upper middle class and so on, still get to the end of the month and are kind of waiting to get paid because they ran out. So, so probably still feel that sense of, oh, it's not quite enough, no matter how much there is. I was watching a documentary about, um, oh, what was it called? Inside Job. It's called Inside Job. And it's an American documentary um, narrated by Matt Damon, actually, really nicely narrated. It's about the financial crash of 2008 and what led up to it and what happened after. And some of the bankers that came away from that disaster did so with hundreds of millions of dollars in bonuses or whatever, however they got it. Um, a lot of them cashing in or taking moving money just before things really crashed. Um, hundreds of millions. What on earth can anyone possibly do with hundreds of millions of dollars? Like, it's it's an inconceivable amount of money, even to try and get your head around how much that is. It's it's unthinkable. So I I can't. Um, yeah, it's just just boggles my mind. And no one needs that. No one. There's not a person on the planet, an individual, who needs anything like that. Um, why am I talking about this? I don't know. I always ask you that as if you're going to be able to tell me. I don't know. I'm talking about it because I'm thinking about ego and and power and corruption and the reason that the world is in the state that it's in is largely that. It's people wanting more, more, more of everything and wanting to be bigger and better and more powerful than everybody else. Um... And it always ends in tears, really. And the fact is, if you were the person with 300 million, you would either be just generally miserable, or you would feel that it wasn't enough, somehow you would get to the end of it, or or you'd be miserable because you don't know what to do with it. I mean, it's so much money. <laughs> Everybody would be asking you for money. You wouldn't know who your friends are anymore. Every charity in the world would be at you. You'd be constantly at gala dinners and the most boring events. I can't imagine. With people just wanting your money. Only interested in you because they know you've got money. That, to me, sounds like torture. It's a wee bit linked to... People talk about the royal family. I mean, don't even get me started. But I must say, one of the over overriding thoughts I have about the royal family, particularly the Queen, is... She must be so bored. Can you imagine how boring that is? Constantly going around, waving at folks, shaking their hands. Oh, what do you do? You know, and pretend to be interested. Cutting ribbons and being given pointless gifts. She doesn't need anything. You know? Wow. Oh my God, what a life. That makes me grateful. I'm grateful I'm not really rich. <laughs> not too rich. <laughs> I mean, we have to be... I mean, that's what I was talking about with the... With the the war and things like that, it's going, if if nothing else, the least we want out of it, the least I should get 
out of it, get out of it is the wrong term, but you know what I mean, uh, is, is compassion and gratitude. I obviously have great, huge compassion for people misplaced in any situation, um, innocent people hurt um, or made made prisoners or refugees from their own country or any of these things, but also gratitude. Um, so it's nice to be grateful for what we have and um, for many of you listening, I know that that's probably not much. I mean, for most of us in the arts, we're not, you know, um, we didn't get into this business to get rich, did we? But you'd have to love it, wouldn't you? You'd have to. I can't not do it. (laughs) I've tried, (laughs) briefly tried during the pandemic, only because I needed a job. Um, And I didn't, well, that's not true. I didn't try and not do stuff, but I, I kind of... I kind of just didn't get round to doing anything artistic for a few months at the beginning. And then I started making comedy videos and then I just never stopped. And I didn't start making them because I thought I was going to make money out of them. Not far from that. I just did it because I wanted to do something. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just it's just good to be grateful. Um, and that can sound like a really asinine thing to hear, you know. Because I know a lot of us are, are struggling to even to make ends meet. Um, and it's a privilege maybe it shouldn't be but it is a privilege to be an artist to be able to be an artist um, to make some or part of your living all sorry all or part of your living from from artistic practice I think in our climate in our country in our world is a privilege Um, whether or not it is objectively a privilege I don't know Um, so so it's good to be grateful for that but but it should be easier, I'm sure. I mean, it's not, it's it's a bit of a jungle out there, isn't it? Um, that's why I love Scottish theatre, because I feel like we've got each other's back. And like I've said many times, if you're sitting in an audition room with someone and it's down to the two of you, you will most likely wish each other luck and mean it, you know? You want the best for your comrades. And I think we're a, we're a big team. Let me have a wee bit of this coffee again. We're getting seagulls now. The rain's calmed down, but we're getting seagulls. Don't you hear that? Quite distant, quite distant seagulls. So I've been cycling to work. I'm in the caravan, staying in the caravan while I'm doing the play at the Trav. And I've been cycling to work, which has been so bracing and wonderful. I don't know why I don't do it all the time. You know the way with things that are good for you. You do it. You know, you get back to it and you go, why, I should have been doing this all the time. <laughs> and then, <laughs> invariably, you stop doing it at some point. But I've been enjoying, I've been enjoying cycling and um, I arrive at the theatre with, you know, with a bit of energy. Awake and ready um, and just feeling generally good because, you know, endorphins are amazing. Um, I would be, I would be the type of person, I'm guilty of showing up still kind of half asleep, like staying in bed for as long as possible, driving to a place, you know, trying the last minute to get coffee on the way and that type of thing. Um, which, you know, is, I could do better. I could do better. So cycling to work feels like a step in that direction, the direction of showing up already fully awake, present, ready to go, you know. And I suppose that links in with this idea of privilege, you know, I'm very fortunate 
to be working and is it I don't want to beat myself up but is it is it ungrateful to show up knackered I don't know what am I talking about I don't know I'm just reflecting you know um, but yes I'm very happy to be working it's nice to be doing this play um, to be doing a play of my own that um, and a part that I really like and as I've said a part that I'm not convinced that I would have gotten um, had I not written it for myself but that's what we do isn't it Someone when I said that to someone I can't remember who it was he said well I'm not sure that's true this person said can't remember uh, who, who but I'm not sure it's true also whether it is or not if you want to do something and the opportunity for you to do it isn't there then what you do, referring to me specifically, is you go and make that opportunity as best you can. So it's kind of like, I don't know, build it and they will come. Which again speaks to massive privilege. I'm always just really wary of, of speaking in that way, you know, about making your own luck or phrases like that. I think I think it's easy to say that if, if you've had a bit or if you've come from a place where We've had a, a good head start, and I've had countless, you know, of those, by virtue of where I was born. Um, some might say the gender that I was born uh, with, all that stuff. Um, I think it's dead easy for some people to say, ah, you know, it's least what you make of it, or all this, uh, we've all got the same 24 hours in the day, all that lark, Molly May is that her name? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know I'm always very wary of saying, talking about stuff like that Because I have to remember that I'm coming from From a place of extreme privilege um, I don't mean I grew up on a country estate or anything Or I come from money um, But that's not what that means anymore Or it's not, it, it means more than that now The word privilege means so much more than that um, A complex set of parameters I suppose uh, within which everyone exists. Um, sliding scales, really, um, and, and where they intersect. Race, gender, um, socioeconomic background, etc, etc. So I, um, it has been said, you know, oh, you, if, if you want to do that part and, and no one's given it to you, then you write it for yourself. And that's great, and, and I would encourage anyone to keep doing that. But also I'm very aware when I'm talking about myself that, yes, I did that, but I've had a lot of help. Um, and for that, I'm really grateful. I feel a wee bit well, I feel sort of preachy today, and I don't mean to be not preachy, but kind of... Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but I keep going. That's what I do. i tell you what made me feel less guilty about my privilege was watching that documentary about the financial crash and seeing just some of the some of the outrageous levels of privilege and also just tone deafness if you like to other people's situation um and the elitism that happens in the in the financial sector it made me go ah maybe you're not that bad Brian <laughs> you know because I can feel guilty about um you know, finishing one job and going to the next, if I'm lucky enough to do that. I think, oh, that's great. And then I go, oh, awful. Someone else should have got it or I shouldn't have all, you know, what I've got or some of, the, some of that sh shit. 
But watching that documentary about the banking crisis and whatever, I just was like, well, I guess it's not like I'm running away from, you know, the bin fire that is the world with 300 million in my pocket and everyone else is starving. It's not quite as bad as that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I despair sometimes. Because, you know, it's it's lovely to work, isn't it, with the same people, if you can, time and time again. But if you do that, you're in danger of being accused of, um, you know, favouritism, never looking outside your own backyard and all that stuff. So, so sometimes when I feel I've worked with people a couple of times, I think, this is great, we're forming like a wee company. And then I think, well, I better not do that because you have to widen it out and give other people the opportunities and, and then it's like, but what if I want to work with these people that I really trust and um, they want to work with me again? I don't know. I don't know where you draw the line with these things. Um, it's just, what I mean is, broadly speaking, what I mean is that I love nothing more than doing what I do, but also it's fraught, constantly fraught with those kinds of questions. You never just get to sit back and go, ah, nice one. Very, I mean, it's been said, hasn't it, that the only time of true happiness in an actor's life is when they get told they got the job. <laughs> just for that moment, when you got the job. Because after that, you start thinking, oh shit, can I do it? Will they, will they give me the Saturday off for my pal's wedding? <laughs> and am I capable? Will I fail? And then you get to rehearsals and you have to deal with that. And then you're like, this is going to be terrible or, or whatever. It's not what I thought it was going to be or whoever I've got to deal with in the rehearsal process. And then you've got to do the show and you, you know, you're constantly analysing. And what if no one shows up? You know. So I just think that there's there's very few moments in this business where there's not just a million questions going, mm, but have you considered this? Um, and maybe that's good in the sense that if those questions weren't there then it would be it would mean that I was operating in a sort of a blinkered fashion um but again like everything it's balance I, w- I want to be able to just enjoy and be present and give the performance or do whatever I'm doing um without constantly being interrupted by my own thoughts um but I don't want to forget things like privilege and inequality and um opportunity for new people, other people, people who I haven't worked with, any number of just examples. Yes. And then I'm increasingly aware of, um, do, you know, the more I do these podcasts on my own, I'm increasingly aware of, what are there people thinking, who the hell does he think he is? Making himself the spokesperson for XYZ and sitting down talking for 40 minutes an hour. Like... <laughs> Who made you this, the town crier? Um, and I have to solace that with thoughts of this is an artistic output of mine and people can choose to take it in or not. That's basically, I suppose that's the end of that story, isn't it, really? Um, because, and, and this is an upside, it's not funded by any institution. So no one is able to say, I can't believe such and such is spending its, you know, money, its funding on this because he's unqualified or whatever. Of course I'm thinking worst case scenario. Um, This is an independent product, so I can 
say what I want, really. Not that I say anything controversial, I don't think. But um, I can have as many opinions as I want and I can talk for hours if I want. And if you don't want to listen to it, then, of course, that's your choice. It's very unlikely you'll be listening right now. You, the person who doesn't want to listen to it. Um, so I, I suppose I have to just allow myself that, don't I? That this is a wee platform that I've built for myself and... Um, listening is optional but if you are I, I hope that it does bring you something give you something um i always think that the best thing would be for it to um light a fire under somebody you know for someone to listen to an episode and go do you know what i'm actually going to i'm going to send that email and set up that meeting i'm going to start writing that song I'm going to get the book down from the shelf again. I'm going to whatever, whatever it is, you know. Um, if it if it gives someone that little push to keep going or to start again or to to take up again, you know what's been set down artistically or otherwise, then then I think I'd be dead pleased to know that. Um, so I hope that if that applies to you, then I hope that you will pick up. Um, the pencil again or whatever it happens to be uh, pick up the phone and set up the meeting keep the conversation going all that stuff another sip I have to announce every sip because I don't like dead air but there it is hope you didn't get a big gulp I hate that sound as well lots of dogs getting walked in the caravan park so they all walk by I tell you what I just love a dog I can't get enough of dogs. I will smile at dogs and not their owners. <laughs> Just like enjoying the fact that a dog exists. That to me is pure joy. A wee dog. So I like seeing them walking by. I'm glad I got the cycling down before this rain because it's really not very good cycling weather. I'm going to go and see The Gardener tonight, which is a play by... Ed Robson, I believe it's by Ed Robson, and directed by Tony Cowney and featuring two of my pals, Crawford Logan and Nicola Roy. And it's at Trav One. Um looking forward to seeing that. I've heard great things about it and I've not seen Crawford in anything since I was anything with him, actually. Um and I think the same for Nicola. Yeah, yeah, so that's cool. Um be nice to catch up with them and have a chat and I think they're going to come and see our show tomorrow so that's nice I like that you know um being in the theatre when there's another show in is cool because you can see each other's thing you can meet or catch up if you already know each other and you feel that's there's already a wee community going on um that's what it's like when you're doing a, in, in a fringe venue sometimes you know there's usually always more than one show in the venue in the day and uh Often you get to know the the people from the show before and after you, you know, either side of you. Because they're taking their stuff down where you're putting yours up and vice versa. Um, So that's cool. That's always nice. And then, of course, at the fringe, they're usually from, they can be from anywhere in the world, which which is less likely, you know, in a sort of a run-of-the-mill. March, the beginning of March in Edinburgh, probably not huge amounts of international companies visiting, but in the fringe... You know, you meet people from all corners of the world doing all different types of work that you never normally see. That's great. I love that. Um, I won't be at the Fringe this year. I've got another, a different job, which takes me away from Edinburgh. Which, um, 
I don't know. I don't think I'm allowed to talk about yet. Not that it's any big state secret or or all that exciting about me, but um, I'm just being wary because I never want to. I'm always, you know, you don't want to say the wrong thing. I mean, that's basically the story of my life. Trying not to say the wrong thing and still managing it. It's funny, isn't it? You know, like trying to being a people pleaser, trying to get everybody to like you all the time, and no matter what you do, you still <laughs> people still just either never like you in the first place or seem to and then totally change their mind, you know, fall out with you, disappear out of your life, you know, it just, it's, it made me think recently, I thought, well, if that's all true, if despite my best efforts, people can still take the hump or never like me in the first place, then what about the best efforts? What use are they? Why don't I just enjoy my life and try not to harm anybody and just get on with it? Do I like, you know? These are luxury problems, though, aren't they? When we, when we compare to what's really going on in the world. But we have to... Everything's relative, isn't it? So these are the things that we're concerned about in the here and now. It's realistic that we are. Uh, aye. I don't know. I don't know. I've been reading a book about um, a woman escaping from a cult, which I'm enjoying. Um... I'm not laughing at the situation, I'm just thinking like it's not really my usual fare. I've got so many books in the caravan. Um but I get caught up doing word puzzles and you know, number games and stuff like that and forget to actually sit down and read. I've been watching films and um like I say I watched Dope Sick, which I thought was really great. I think Michael Keaton is just one of our finest. Um understated performances and just a lot of truth, you know, I think that's what we look for, isn't it, in a good actor, is, is truth on some level. Um, even if it's not kitchen sink or, you know, realism, we still, we're still still looking for some shred of truth, and I think that's what Michael Keaton definitely brings, truth. Um, so yeah, if you haven't watched Dopesick, I'd, I'd recommend it. Um, a good series is a good thing, I don't often get into one, but once I'm in, I'm just... You know how it is. Obsessed. Um, I like watching good actors do good work, you know. Um, I'd love to see Michael Keaton on stage. That would be something. I wonder what his, what his stage uh, record is like. I'm sure he's done it. But yeah, I mean, he he went through a period where he wasn't really around much. It feels like that. It feels like he maybe had a bit of a renaissance. I mean, he was Batman... And then he was in that comedy Multiplicity, which I always remember. And then, since, like, between that and him sort of reappearing in maybe The Founder, and probably just being completely, you know, blinkered as usual, but I don't remember him being in that much stuff in between. Am I talking rubbish? If I am, please do let me know. <laughs> this is a good time to mention that if you're not already doing so, We'd love you to follow us on social media. It's PitCCPod, P-I-T-C-C-P-O-D, on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can search Putting It Together on Facebook. And uh, if you think this podcast is worthwhile, and if you're enjoying listening to it and you can afford to, then we'd appreciate a wee dip into your pocket to keep the uh, the running costs um, covered. Which, they're not really, but we're we're working on it. They're, they're partially covered by the people who very kindly do donate. And if you could become one of those people, if that's possible, then 
We'd love to hear from you and you can do that by going to puttingittogethercast.com and clicking on donate. It's right in the middle of the page. Puttingittogethercast.com, click on donate. You could give us a pound a month if you want um, or you could give us more than that or you could give us a fiver one-off and forget about it. If you think this is worthwhile and you can afford to do that, then please do. And if you can't afford to or you don't want to or whatever, uh, there's no stress. I'm going to keep it free. I'm going to keep doing it. Um... But the more the more help we have with it, the the bigger we can make it, and the more we can expand it, um, and just to cover the costs, the, the website alone costs hundreds um, every year, and various other things, the, the the hosting of the website to keep all this content on it, um, and then obviously equipment and stuff. But anyway, blah blah blah. I won't bore you with that. But if you can and want to support us, you just go to puttingittogethercast.com and click on the yellow donate button. So there we are. That was a wee, a wee interlude. I've got this coffee's gone a bit cold now, isn't it? I mean, it's been forty minutes. Still good though. Still good though. Um, what else do I need to tell you about? Not a great deal, except that. Um, I think I'm gonna. At the moment, it looks like I might have a bit of a break after this show. Um, potentially until May. Um. Or even early June, which to me, in my normal kind of way of thinking, sounds like a big gap. But I am sort of relishing the idea. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. You never know, do you? Strange things happen. But at the moment, the diary is is really pretty much clear um, between Monday and the 1st of June. So we shall see. I'll keep doing the podcast and I will leave myself open to possibilities. And I'm so glad, I'll tell you what, I'm so glad I don't have to write anything. <laughs> That's the one thing I'm really glad about is that I don't currently have a thing that I'm supposed to be writing. There is nothing. I don't want to jinx it. Because um, I don't really like writing. I like having written. I've told you many times. I love being in the play Oscar. And, and I'm proud, you know, that I did it. Um, and I like hearing the, the melodies and thinking, oh, I, I came up with that and, you know, when people enjoy it, I, f- I feel a sense of ownership over that, which is nice. It's a nice feeling. Um, but I enjoy that a million times more than actually the act of writing it. Um, strange. But then if I just, if I just, if you were able to take a pill and the result of that was you had written something, then it wouldn't have any of the sense of meaning. Because it wouldn't have, you wouldn't have worked for it. So I suppose part of the the reason that I feel that sense of accomplishment is that I have accomplished it, not just that it's there and it's got my name on it. Um. So yeah, it's it's a weird dichotomy, isn't it? You kind of have to go through that bit, the painful <laughs> process of writing it. And now maybe you're listening to this and you love writing, and I'm not saying it's that's a universal truth. I'm just saying for me, I can't. I pretty much despise it, um, but I love when it comes together. Um, in a, in a similar way, I'm not mad on on very early re- stages of rehearsal, but I like when it starts to come together. Although as a writer, I like the early stages of rehearsal because you sit round and make cuts and tighten up the script, and that is actually a gift to a writer. And in, in the context that I've written, which is it's small ones, um. But because I've not never had any development time pre the show going into rehearsal, 
the first couple of days of the rehearsal usually are the equivalent of that development time so you sit around and you kind of hack away at the script and it's great as a writer because you go this is kind of you know I'm getting development here I'm getting I'm getting people sitting around the table talented clever people sitting around the table helping me fix this script and make it better what a joy I mean, you, what more can you say so I the actual act of sitting down writing no thanks and the reason that I'm delighted about this time coming up is that I don't have that hanging over me at the moment um but it's it's kind of exciting to think that I, I like both versions one version is I just live and do the podcast and kind of take a break um until summer um and the other version is that something mysterious happens and takes me into some work situation um and I just they both sound great to me so that's good Especially because if a work thing comes up, it's very unlikely to be starting on Monday. Coming. <laughs> so so I've probably got at least a week where I can just chill. Um, yeah, and get the caravan out to some more places. And I've got a friend who's going to be filming in uh, Thailand soon. And we'll have, um, you know, accommodation there and stuff. So I said, well, what if I came out I had a trip? You know, so I've got a place to base myself and uh, visit Thailand again. It's a country that I really love. So, yeah, it's an exciting time to be alive, and yet in a kind of a, in a low-key way, you know. Um, I don't feel frantic. I don't feel under huge pressure, which is lovely. Um, and I think that's a nice place to bring you a podcast from. Um, yeah, it feels like uh, there's thoughts to sort out, but um, I'm in a... And a relaxed enough place that I can actually sort through them with you <laughs> instead of just being bombarded with them in my own head because sometimes I take on too much and I'm just I'm just I don't know where I am coming or going half the time because of it um this doesn't feel like one of those periods which is a great joy um yeah so I think that's about enough for me I hope that um as I say I hope it's lit a wee fire under you in some way or that it's given you some solace, a little bit of a gap from reading the news or from the pressures of whatever work environment you happen to be in. Um, whatever whatever it is, I hope that this wee 45 minutes or however long it is has brought you something positive. And uh, if it has, then I hope that maybe you'll share it with somebody. Why don't you let your pals know that you listen to this show? Stick it on your Instagram story, tweet about it. I'm talking to you. You, the person who thinks I'm not talking to you. You, who's listening right now. Go on, do that. Because it'd be great to have more people listen to the show. I'd love that. And it takes, that's what it takes, is for you to let people know about it. So please do that. And uh, make sure you're following us on social media, Pod. And if you can, then please donate to help keep us going. If you think it's something worthwhile, you value the time that's put into it, and you can afford to do it, then you go to puttingittogethercast.com and click on Donate. And that is all from me. So until next week when I bring you a brand new episode, I'll just say what I always say. Cheerio now. <laughs>